Hey, I've got some exciting news for you. For nearly a decade, the Social Media Marketing Society has been helping marketers like you to keep up with the changing times. This is our private community just for marketers, and the doors are open right now. When you join, you get access to ongoing training and become part of a welcoming community of marketers who are just like you. Learn more at smmarketingsociety.com. Again, smmarketingsociety.com. Welcome to the Social Media Marketing Talk Show, your guide to the ever-changing world of social media. Welcome to the show. I'm Jeff C. And I'm Grace Duffy. And we are excited to be joined today by Madeline Scalar. We're going to explore the new Twitter API, updates to direct messages, and declines in Twitter ad revenue. But first, we have some late-breaking news. It just was shared yesterday afternoon, so we wanted to, uh, as we're waiting for Madeline to join us this morning, we wanted to share with you that Facebook released its Q2 2020 earnings report late last night. And it turns out, despite a global pandemic, despite an advertiser (laughs) boycott, despite appearances in front of Congress over possible antitrust violations, along with a myriad of other (laughs) daily, hourly, minute-by-minute distractions, Facebook has once again shown a potential for steady growth in its latest earnings report. So the platform now exceeds 3 billion, billion with a B, users worldwide across its family of apps. Now, of course, you remember that Facebook now reports earnings uh, for all of its apps. So that's Facebook, the flagship app, that's Instagram, that's WhatsApp, that's Messenger. Mm -hmm. So along those flagship of ads. And so they added another 100 million monthly active users in Q2, taking it to 2.7 billion monthly active users. In terms of revenue, Facebook saw an increase of 11%, bringing in $18.3 billion in ad revenue for the quarter. So it's not necessarily a surprise that Facebook would continue to flourish in the place of advertiser Mm -hmm. backlash. And in case you are not aware, there was the uh, Stop the Hate stop hate-for-profit campaign kicked off in response to Facebook's hate speech policies or perhaps their lack of hate speech policies, however you want to look at it. And there's a lot of pressure put on them by civil rights groups who say that this is posing a threat to their advertisers. So about 500-plus companies pulled their ad buys for the month of July. Mm -hmm. At the same time, Facebook reported that its ad revenue actually grew which 10%. is that's really, really interesting because we saw it on the news. You know, everything was like Disney's pulling out and all these other big things. But uh, mm-hmm. in this article, I remember reading some of the articles that you have pulled together, Grace, that, um, that you know, that was a big deal and big news. But for small businesses, this is the only place they can really advertise yeah. and get some money. Uh, I get some, you know, new customers and stuff, and especially during I mean, you, you know, I were talking before the show about like restaurants and all the, that kind of stuff because, you know, Facebook went ahead and did all this pretty cool stuff trying to get people to support local businesses, restaurants that had shut down. And so I think that it's, it's really interesting, like those big boys pulled out, but mom and pop still needs to use Facebook to make a living. Yep, yep. So uh, Facebook did say that most of its ad dollars does come from thousands of small businesses that just weren't able to abandon their platforms very easily. And we saw that ourselves in our society members, mm-hmm. right? As we were talking through this, a lot of them just said, 
you know, we just can't afford to pull out. Like this is our main way of serving right. our customers. This is where we've built a community. This is where we communicate. This is where we run our business. Uh, Mark Zuckerberg himself said that the biggest part of Facebook's business is serving small businesses, right? So one of uh, their advertising is one of their most effective tools for serving small businesses to help them find customers, grow their business and create jobs. And still, as a result, this underscores, of course, Facebook's dominance in social media marketing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they did take a step back and address that, you know, they understand that hate, misinformation, all that stuff is an issue. They are standing firmly against it and they have introduced tools to help users navigate those better. They are also pushing different things like uh, providing information about COVID-19, accurate information, right? And then also information about elections and voting and politics in general as we approach November here in the U.S., And then Mark Zuckerberg also published a long statement on his personal profile. So I'm going to read something from it because I'm going to go to his profile right now because I do not. (laughs) You don't want to mess that up. That's right. I don't want to misquote from the book of Zuck. The show could be dead right now if we did did that. So, yeah, go ahead and read that. So he was just saying that it's worth reflecting on this moment because there's such a fundamental difference between how vast majority of people actually experience their services. So you hear a lot about the hate, the misinformation, but he does talk about how as COVID emerged, people have used our services to stay in touch with friends and family who can't be together in person to keep up with businesses running online, even as physical stores were closed. And in many ways, amidst the very difficult period, people around the world, our services are more important now than ever before. So I think that they are emphasizing the good that they've provided, the support that they provide, and again, reiterating their support of small and medium businesses, of which they realize is the heart of their business. Yeah, so very, very interesting stuff. Now, some of the other things that I thought, you know, uh, if you've been following the news, like uh, Zuck and a bunch of the other big tech people, like Tim Cook from Apple and all those things, you know, they've been testifying in Congress. In fact, uh, you had a quote, Grace, that you pulled from Zuckerberg. He says, uh, as I told Congress yesterday, I am proud of the service we build and how they improve people's lives. I am thankful to everyone at Facebook for doing the support and work and to all our partners and everyone else on this journey with us. So they're really pushing that, you know, this is, you know, they're focusing on the small business stuff. They're trying, I think, you know, to, of course, look the best in front of Congress, but very, very interesting that how it's going on there. I do want to, as there's some questions we have, I don't know if you know the answer to this, but I want to pull up this one from our friend, Nancy. Hey, Nancy, thanks for watching over on YouTube. She goes, do we know how much of a decrease that is uh, year over year? Do you? Did it was we- an increase of 11%. Yeah, increase of increase. So that was an increase of 11%. So yeah, I think that they, they managed to dominate once again. And I also want to talk about where the biggest area of growth is, and that is in the uh, Asia Pacific region. So they, of course, they divided it up Europe, uh, US and Canada, uh, which US and Canada has slowest adoption just because it had had maximum saturation as it is. Mm -hmm. But in countries like India and which technology is catching up where people are becoming more connected, that is where they're seeing the biggest growth. And then, and if you notice, that's where they tend to test a lot of their new products, right? Because Mm -hmm. that is the most aggressive, biggest grow, like fastest growing market for them. Facebook did note that they are seeing 1.8 billion individual logins each day, which signals high engagement. They didn't provide any details on how long people spend on the app, 
right? So mm-hmm. they didn't provide that information. But 1.8 billion logins every day throughout the world is pretty significant. Yes. Uh, Jose said, he goes, did you feel like those numbers might come down when more people go back to work on Facebook or Facebook will keep growing now that more small businesses have discovered Facebook? That's a great question. And I would not hazard a guess and which way the internet winds will blow with all this stuff or how long and all that kind of stuff going on. But I think right now that it continues to be a space where, you know, small business, like we talked earlier, small business can go and actually see some results and talk about their business. And a lot of other things are shut down and being able to do this, uh, I think has been almost a saving grace to, I know a lot of the people that I've talked to locally and even some clients that this is the only way that they're getting any sort of business right now is through their online presence. So I think it's going to depend on how long this is going to go forward. It's, I think it's, it's really interesting. They're talking about how, you know, India is really growing um, in this report and Mm -hmm. that, you know, you mentioned there is 1.8 billion individual logins a day. That's a lot of eyeballs uh, that small businesses can grab. So I think it's really, uh, it's really, this, this report is really interesting that even with all the, I mean, sometimes you would listen to the news and think like, I don't know if Facebook's going to survive, you know, and it's not, it was barely a ding. You know what I mean? I mean, it was, they they got through this pretty, pretty okay. So. I don't know, Jess, I've been doing a lot of reflecting since I saw these numbers and I realized that my issues with Facebook might be my issues with the people in my life. So, you know, that's that's something that I'm going to have to like take care of offline. But uh, I think Facebook itself. And also I don't, we don't talk a lot about a, a lot of the different products that Facebook does develop and that they're working on. For instance, they've really put a lot of investment into Facebook gaming. Now, whether mm-hmm. you're a gamer or not, right. you can't deny that that's a big market and they have made significant investments there. Facebook Marketplace yeah. is just like blowing up. If you've ever tried to get rid of a sofa or find a sofa or find a table or right. whatever, like right. it's there. College kids, um, yeah. yeah. And then like, we'll, we'll talk about this later on too, but I mean, all the investments they've made into Messenger, right? So Messenger Rooms. Right. That's going to be a I good mean, segment coming up. Yeah. Really. Yeah. And then, of course, you know, their uh, portal device and everything and then the ability to go live. And then I know that a lot of my groups like I, I belong to Neighborhood Book Club. We haven't been able to meet in person since yeah. March, mm-hmm. February. Right. We do everything on Facebook. Right. Like that's right. how we communicate. That's yeah. how we do everything. So, I mean, I think from a business perspective, it's going to keep going on just because so much of our life is saturated on there. Now, whether or not you choose to be on there or not or how long you want to spend on there is a personal choice. But it is fully saturated. Our lives are fully saturated with Facebook. So. Right. Joe has this uh, good point. He goes, people never thought that they needed a website, e-commerce, or social media have been awakened. Yeah, I think that's driving a lot of it too. And, you know, I would love to see uh, on some of this reporting is like how many new Facebook accounts have been started with like for businesses. Like they ran their first ad during kind of the lockdown because I think that happened a lot too. So it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. So I do want this is a great comment. I want to say hello to Suzanne. She goes, hey, friends, this has become my Friday morning habit. Well, thank you. It's the, hopefully we're a, a hard habit to break. Going back to that 80s song. <laughs> Hopefully so, we're a healthy habit. Yes. Okay. So <laughs> we're talking all about Facebook, but you know what? It, sometimes it's like overwhelming. It's it's super like, you know, sometimes with the, all the changes, your mind starts to melt a little bit. But if you want to do more with your Facebook marketing, you know, you're not alone. About 69% of marketers want to learn more about Facebook and Instagram. And we have put together a new event to help you. It's the Facebook Marketing Summit from Social Media Examiner. It's an online event. You'll be able to discover how to master organic Facebook marketing. Facebook 
Facebook video and Facebook ads. Some of my good friends like Ian Anderson Gray are on there. It's going to be great. So you want to come and learn. from. They have 14 of the world's top Facebook pros in this summit. So you want to make sure to check it out. You can learn more about this live online uh, event at socialmediaexaminer.com forward slash summit. That's socialmediaexaminer.com forward slash summit. We Really, we've got some ton of some great people in there just ready to teach you some of this kind of maybe overwhelming uh, social media stuff that's going on over on Facebook. So make sure you go check that out, socialmediaexaminer.com forward slash summit. So we've got our special guest here. We are going to add her to the show. She's one of our favorites. She's a, a longtime guest on the show. And it's Madeline Sklar. And if you don't know Madeline, she is the leading Twitter marketing expert. She's host of the Twitter Smarter Twitter Chat and the Twitter Smarter Podcast. If you haven't seen those, you've got to go check those out. Hello, Madeline. Thank you so much for coming back to the show. Hi, Jeff. Hi, Grace. Thanks for inviting me back. I'm always thrilled to be here and talk Twitter. Yes. Oh, we're so excited to have you. We definitely have a ton of news and we waited. This happened last week, but we waited till we could have Madeline Scalera on to That's talk right. about it. Who else you we are get? Yeah. the Twitter expert, right? So last yeah. week, Twitter planned to launch its, its new API, but uh, was hampered by a few little security issues, right? Yeah. Because they've been talking about it and promoting it. They went ahead and announced what they're going to roll out. And then they said that they're going to try to roll it out as, as time when it's more appropriate. But they did want to share everything that is new and improved on the Twitter API. So some of those things are they rebuilt it from the ground up with delivering new features to make it more faster and easier to follow public conversations. So they're integrating things like uh, conversation threading, poll results, pin tweets and profiles, spam filtering, uh, stream filtering, and uh, search query language improving on that. So they also committed themselves to improving uh, their support for developers, providing them with a new developer portal where you can get all different information and up-to-date information as uh, new updates are rolling out on the API. And then they're also trying to make it easier for developers of all stripes to be able to access Twitter's features. They also expressed that it plans to be more transparent with developers about their plans, because as we know, they have not always been. The company previously ended support for many of these developer tools uh, back in 2018, citing outdated technology or the unwillingness to make significant investments into supporting some of this functionality that a lot of these third-party tools were using. Uh, A lot of people saw it as a push for Twitter to push users to their their own products, right? Either the native app itself or TweetDeck, which is also one of their products. Madeline, do you think that this update puts the rest, puts the rest any of these concerns about for future third-party apps? Like, should does this mean that Twitter wants to work with more third-party clients or expand it? Because, you know, I think those of us that rely on social media marketing tools definitely want to know. Right. And there's so many third-party tools. You know, when I first was reading about this, I was a little skeptical because, I mean, look at what they did to some really great third-party tools. There was Managed Flitter, Status Brew, and uh, Crowdfire. And they, like, shut down their API. And these tools just did not have functionality. And there was no notice on that. So they have a lot of disgruntled ex-third-party developers uh, because of all that. And that wasn't that long ago. It was January 2019. So we're really just talking a year and a half ago where they like really disabled a lot of different third-party tools. And we thought, okay, this is Twitter basically saying, 
we don't want any more third party tools. We want to do everything right. ourselves. And, and I was thinking, OK, that's great. I mean, hey, the bottom line is let's just make Twitter work best for everybody, uh, whether they provide the tools or let us have third party tools. So I don't know what to make of this just yet. I'm excited that they're saying, hey, we want to work with developers. We want to embrace you and give you all this functionality. But until I see anything happening, I'm still kind of a little reserved because I work very closely with Managed Flitter. I used to host their Twitter chat for a couple of years called Social ROI. It's a great tool. Uh, when I spoke at Social Media Marketing World a few years ago and uh, talked about Twitter tools, that was one of the ones I had talked about. It has so many great features and now you can use it, but like most of those great features are gone. Right. It's very stripped down. So Twitter giveth and Twitter taketh away. So yeah. my question is, and I think you know, you may have touched on it a little bit, but have they broken the trust of third-party developers, investors? Because you know, it takes time, it takes money. People are developing these tools, and Twitter just going, yeah, it'll be okay. I would be really hesitant to sink any money on like R and D and building yes. out an app or something like that. I'm like, who's going to be the first one who's going to go and like, okay, we believe you, Twitter, and we'll we'll develop something because I mean it. Right. I would be really hesitant because they did. You're right. They just cut it off, and you're like, it was devastating to some of these app companies. Yes. Yeah, and I worked so closely with Managed Flitter at the time and, and was talking to the CEO weekly about other things. And when this all happened, like he's like, we didn't get any warning. We didn't get it. We didn't get an email saying, hey, you need to do this, this and this. We thought we were on good terms with Twitter. So it was a huge blow to them and these other companies. So I think there's going to be a lot of concern with developers and, and our company is going to want to sink in a lot of money to fund developing these third party tools or adding more functionality to the tools they already have. Mm. I really think it's just a wait and see. But Twitter I feel like it's putting out an olive branch and they're like, hey, you know, we're right. going to do this right and we're going to work with everybody. And I'm excited that they want to offer more features and functionality for developers. Uh, like what you were saying, Grace, when they talked about Twitter polls, like that would be so nice to have right. some functionality in an app, a third party tool or app outside of Twitter. We're so limited with what we can do with a poll on Twitter and it's Twitter only. And same thing with audio tweets and being able to hide replies. So I'm eagerly waiting to see how this all unfolds. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Well, it was so funny to me because they, they wrote, so they announced this all last week, right? And then this yeah. week I saw in the news that some developer created uh, a new tool <laughs> that replicates someone else's Twitter feed, right? So if I wanted to see Elon Musk's Twitter feed just to see what he sees right. every day, right? Like you could do that. And then like not two minutes later, there was an announcement that Twitter was like, that's illegal. You, you can't have that. Right, so. <laughs> right. right. exactly. <laughs> so, you know, so they're talking about this like need for transparency and how they're, they're looking to promote it, right? With this new developer right. portal. How is their lack of transparency hurt businesses and users in the past? I mean, people like us, I mean, other than like cutting off our tools, <laughs> Right. <laughs> like, has it kind of affected relationships in other ways? I think so, because it may become trust. It's a trust issue. Are we going to trust that this is a tool worth spending time on to use and, and use this to help market your business? And, you know, Twitter has 
a history that's been very up and down. I mean, you know, not so many years ago, people were saying to me, Madeline, why do you spend so much time and effort helping people with Twitter? It's going to go out of business or they're going to mm-hmm. get sold and bought out and it's not going to be working as well. And, you know, I've heard it all, <laughs> um, but it's such a great tool. I stick by it. I mean, until the day comes where it just is gone, like back in my, when MySpace just went away, right. until it just goes away. I mean, I'm all for it and I'm an advocate for it. But I think there are plenty of marketers out there that are like, why am I investing all this time into this platform when things are on shaky ground? And when you look at what they did to some of these developers and cutting off the API. So, you know, here TikTok has been emerging and a lot of marketers are moving over to that. And listen, there's only so many hours in the day. You have to decide which platforms are you going to use? Now, some of us use them all, of mm-hmm. course, but some uh, businesses and marketers are going to be like, well, maybe I'm going to pull back on Twitter and go focus more on Instagram and TikTok. Gotcha. Yeah. Well, no, that's valid. So I want to ask you, because I'm talking about like Twitter chats for a minute, but I want to pull up this comment uh-huh. because Megan Powers says this. Madeline just had her five-year anniversary of Twitter Smarter. So congratulations. That is awesome. Uh, that's a long time to have a, a Twitter chat. And so, you know, like you're our go-to expert on like how to do a, a, a Twitter chat. And I want to talk about that a little bit. So what are some of your like your tools that you use to manage this? I mean, we know that, and we, you and I talked in the society a couple of weeks ago about your favorite tools, but, and some of them work for a while, then they quit. So I wanted to let, you know, other people who are maybe interested in doing a tweet chat, you know, what are some of the tools that you sure. use? Well, first of all, thank you, Megan, for for the shout out. That's so awesome. And yes, exciting to, you know, celebrate the five year anniversary. I've been hosting Twitter chats every week since 2011. So I've been I've been hosting them for a long time and I do it because Twitter chats work. It's like hands down the best way to network with a lot of people in a short period of time. You can just spend an hour, especially these days when we can't really go out. So like instead of going to a networking event at a bar go do a, a Twitter chat. It's the same exact thing. And so uh, it's just a great way to connect with like-minded people. Now, as for tools, you know, tools have come and gone over the years. And what I'm currently doing when I'm hosting the chat and participating in others, I use TweetDeck. And here's the thing about TweetDeck. While it's a, a very popular tool, a lot, of people, a lot of people think it's a third-party tool, though. It's actually owned by Twitter. Mm-hmm. So what I like about this is with all the stuff up and down with API and developers, if you use TweetDeck, you really don't have to worry about any of that because this is Twitter's own tool and it has a lot of great functionality behind it. And what I love about it during chats is that I can have use different columns on the screen. I can have a column to see who's mentioning me in the tweet. I can have one with the hashtag during the chat. I can have one with just the guest so I can make sure I don't miss any of their tweets. And I can just look at my screen and see so much just by looking at all these columns. So it's a great tool when you're participating in a Twitter chat. If you try to do it on mobile, it can be very challenging. So uh, desktop preferred and TweetDeck is a great tool for it. There's a great question from Gary over uh, on YouTube. He says, where can I find Twitter chats? Is there like a directory somewhere? That's a, a great question. It is. Thank you, Gary. Great question. Uh, I do have a list of what I feel are the top social media and marketing tools. Uh, I mean, chats, sorry. Uh, and so if you go to madelinesclar.com slash chat list, that's my up-to-date list with a whole bunch of different chats that are great for this community because it's just, you know, weekly chats. Some of them are monthly and I have them all listed on there. 
Awesome. So if companies or marketers are wanting to start their own, you know, Twitter chat, because, you know, you mentioned some of those tools, because if you've ever been to them, they almost sometimes are like a fire hose of information coming at you all at once. And so how do you manage things like inappropriate comments or, you know, um, do you have any advice for somebody who's maybe starting their own Twitter chat? Yeah. And you know, what's going to happen from time to time. That's where the mute button or the block button becomes really handy. I typically just do the mute and that way I don't see their tweets without having to, you know, sometimes you don't want to block someone, but you know, if somebody's harassing you, you definitely want to hit the block button for sure. Um, There is a tool called block party. I was just looking at blockpartyapp.com and that looks a little interesting. It's kind of like a beta right now, invite, invite only, but it looks like they're trying to come up with ways to manage things like that. Awesome. And by the way, Social Media Examiner has their own uh, Twitter chat too. So yes, Jen, make sure you, Jen Cole says, yes, the tweet chats are awesome, of course, because she runs ours. So uh, make sure you drop that link in there below and uh, I'll make sure to mention it also so we have it on the podcast. But uh, very, very cool. Twitter chats are amazing. But wait, there is more Twitter news. We've got some more stuff coming. So Grace, talk about these new revenue models that they're talking about over on Twitter. <laughs> Well, Twitter also announced its Q2 2020 earnings report, and the company wanted to underscore how much advertising, which accounts for a majority of its revenues, took a hit. Took a hit despite continued surge of traffic and the popularity of the site itself, right? So uh, this has been a point of ongoing struggle for many, not all, ad-based social media platforms as to whether... Uh, the pandemic, while increasing usage of traffic, ma- there's many growing pains with that as well. But then also ad budgets have declined, you know, in general, right? So, and then there's also issues of safety, security, accuracy. Dorsey confirmed that the company is looking to diversify its sources of revenue, but it is in the very, very early stages of exploring things, right? So, he did mention that the, they are considering managing paywalls, which at the very least at the moment they are testing with some businesses or they're planning to test with some businesses later in this year. That'll be interesting. They're also looking at a subscription option. So they did mention that any subscription option that they uh, consider will have to complement Twitter's advertising business. Uh, they have a really high bar when they ask consumers to pay for aspects of Twitter. Of course, it's still in the very early phases you know, like many of its rivals, Twitter has focused on providing a free service and making money by allowing brands to target ads to its millions and millions of users. But again, that's not something that that was profitable. And when they say not profitable, they said that they made a second quarter revenue of $562 million, but this was still a 23% decrease over the same quarter a year ago. Again, they were also hit by advertisers participating in this ad boycott. And it's linked to, which was linked to, of course, the national movement for racial justice. But these declines also undercut how much they've, this, how much Twitter relies on advertising mm-hmm. and how they're needing to diversify that. And then things like their massive security breach did not help as well. Madeline, do you think that a subscription model would work on Twitter? Something that people have, I mean, for over a decade now, have relied on for free and has been so much a part of our culture? Right. You know, it's such an interesting question. You know, when you get 
an awesome tool that you've been using for years and it's free. And, you know, we've all been through this. There's been so many great marketing tools out there and social media platforms that are free. And then all of a sudden one day they're going to start charging. You're like, wait a minute. And, And people leave. I think it's an interesting idea. They definitely got to come up with some way to bring in revenues uh, because, as you were saying, that 23% down from a year ago at the end of the second quarter, that's that's huge. And their total revenue is down 19% just for the second quarter alone. So they need to come up with ways to bring in that important revenue. Um, a subscription service, though, you know, is really going to depend on, you know, what exactly are they going to offer? Now, for some of us power users, it could be really helpful to pay a little bit each month to have more functionality, uh, better use. Like, for instance, I'm going to go back to Manage Flitter. One of the things I loved about Manage Flitter that you can no longer do, and, and you know, it's a Twitter API thing, so Twitter can do this. You could do these amazing searches. And I don't know if you guys ever use that tool, but here's an example. And I even showed it during my presentation at Social Media Marketing World when I talked about the tools. And this is a great way of utilizing Twitter. Right before the conference, I want to go and do a search for people going to the conference, people that are tweeting about Social Media Marketing World, especially the hashtag, that are following me, but maybe I'm, I don't realize it and I haven't followed them back. So I could within seconds, get a list of just those people so I could go and connect with them, follow them, start putting them into Twitter lists and pay attention to them. That was pretty darn cool, but that was a paid service through a third-party tool. So I think if Twitter, and we can't do that anymore, and I don't know, I haven't seen other tools that have that functionality now. So if Twitter could give us some functionality like that, where we could hone in and do very specific searches, and you can do way more. I mean, that was just a very generic uh, example, but you could really hone in and drill down to something very specific. And that could be very important to us marketers. So it really just depends on what they decide to come up with, you know, it's a secret code name with a Gryphon, G-R-Y-P-H-O-N, Gryphon, I guess that's how you say it. Um, We don't know much about it, but I think it's smart that they're looking at ways of bringing in more revenue because look, if they come up with a subscription model, it could benefit all of us as marketers being on there and having a, a better experience on Twitter. Yeah. So I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit. So do you agree, and maybe he's listening, but do you agree with the direction Dorsey, who is the, you know, the head of Twitter, is taking Twitter? Do you agree with the stuff that he's doing? Or would you like just to take him in a, in a small room and like just kind of hit him on the <laughs> yeah. kisser there? Yeah. 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 I think the latter, Um, you know, because there's just some, there's just some things they do that makes no sense. Like you guys have heard me many times talking about one of the best features called media studio and media studio allows you to take a video on Twitter and add metadata and a link, a call to action link, which is huge. I mean, I can sit here and take a very plain tweet and have the video have a bolded headline underneath it, some uh, description. So some extra text and then link it to, any URL that I want. That's big. Mm -hmm. I can use Media Studio because I have access, but I'm finding that they've really limited who can have access. They told me if you have an ads account, you can do it. And I'm finding that's not true. So many people have followed my advice and then they say, I still don't have it. So I would love to have a chat with Jack about like, why is this not available? But I did just uh, uncover, I haven't even like really mentioned this online yet, but I just uncovered a really interesting feature on Twitter yesterday. I'm sure y'all have seen that on desktop, you can now save tweets like, you know, have it as a draft. Right. 
You could do it on mobile, but you couldn't do it on desktop and now you can. And when you go in there, they now let you also schedule a tweet. So when you're going to compose a tweet, mm-hmm. you can schedule. And what, once you go and either schedule or compose a tweet and just want to put it into draft, it takes it to this spot and, and you now have the choice between looking at the two. It's like one pop-up window with draft here and on the other side scheduled. And one of the things that I didn't like about Twitter when it comes to scheduling, because you can schedule tweets now, right? And prior to this new way of scheduling, the only way you could do it was with an ads account or media studio. So I would do it through media studio. And the problem was once you set it, you couldn't edit it. You couldn't go back and like, I want to change the date or time. You have to delete and start over. And that is a pain. I can tell you that's right. a pain. Okay, so what I noticed yesterday is that when I'm using this their, their newer way, when you're in the Compose and you access it through there, then you can go in, like it'll show you a list of all the scheduled tweets and you can go in and actually edit. You okay. can add more to the tweet itself. Like in one of my tweets for yesterday for my five-year anniversary Twitter Smarter Chat, I realized when I scheduled one, I forgot to put, a URL in there. Mm-hmm. And I was able to go back, put a URL and even change the time for it to go out. And that's pretty big because yeah, that wasn't something editing. you can easily do. Yeah, <laughs> I know. It's kind of like, hmm, how should I frame this? Because I want to like, you know, hey, you can kind of edit a tweet now. Right. Um, easy. So easy. You got people, there'll be, they'll mishear that. Jack, yeah. Well, maybe this is Jack's way of kind of easing us into, because yeah. I was like, hmm, interesting. Very interesting. Yeah. So uh, very, very cool. I feel eased. I'm ready for an edit button. I'm yeah, like, I, I I'm are. comfortable. I'm ready to go. Yeah. I'm ready to Me go. Too. <laughs> I'm, I'm ready. Let's do so it. our friend over on, on YouTube, Nancy Merlin said she doesn't think any of these social uh, networks can change. And of course that was moving away from an ad free model. In your opinion, do you, I mean, I, this is a hard nut to crack because I think people would prefer an ad free network. In fact, every few years, a new site comes up where they promise no ads. And of course it dies like three years later. Right. right? Yeah. And no one has been able to crack this code. Right. Because right. it's just how the internet is monetized. But do you think that people would be willing to pay for an ad free Twitter? I think that's very possible. And I think that is a better way of looking at increasing revenue because look at how our lives are these days. We're, we're getting ads thrown at us all the time, right? And look at how many things we can sign up for where we can pay extra for no advertising. Like for example, I have Hulu. I love Hulu. But when I first started using it, they put in commercials like every two seconds. And it's like, <laughs> I can't handle right. this like at all. Right. And interesting how, well, for a few dollars more, you can have the ad-free version. So I gladly pay extra. So I know when I'm watching Hulu, I'm commercial free always. YouTube like does the that. same thing with their, their red or yes, whatever. Yes, I have the premium. Yeah, yeah the yeah. premium. Mm-hmm. I have that and I don't have to worry about ads now. So I think... A lot of these tools that have been around for a while, they've offered those kinds of subscriptions, has gotten us used to that now too. And it's a nice perk, like pay a few dollars more and I don't have to see all these ads. So something like that, I could see as possibly working in their favor. So if you're starting a new company that, you know, uh, like a tool, make sure you hack everybody off by ads and then take it away and charge them. And then, you know, to take the ads away, it'll be great. So, but they have to be, they have to be premium ads, yes. like masthead ads. Right, right? exactly. Huge <laughs> ones. So Madeline, the, the other part of this issue is that many advertisers have like, they pulled back during the pandemic. We, you know, yes. it didn't matter on Facebook, but on Twitter, it seems to have impacted it a little bit. So Twitter declined to reveal the impact on the ad boycotts that had, that had on their business. Uh, but we can see that there's some impact there. So 
have you seen with your clients and maybe some of the stuff that you're doing an impact with the the pandemic and the pulling back with these these boycotts? Not so much. You know, first of all, when it comes to Twitter advertising, I'm more about going the organic route. Right. Uh, I have not really had great experiences with Twitter ads. I think Facebook ads work so much better. And so the people I watch, the people I work with, I haven't seen much of an impact with that because most of the people around me are all organic. But interesting how with these these big companies and what's going on, I was just reading that Ben & Jerry's has, has said they're stopping all ads through the rest of the year, wow. at least till the end of the year. And so this is going beyond, you know, what we've seen with, you know, the pandemic and the social justice issues where, you know, with the social stuff that it would, that was going to be a shorter mm-hmm. time period. But I think a lot of them are like, look at all the money we're saving on ads, you know, not spending it all here. Let's just focus our efforts and money somewhere else. Right. I don't know if that's good or bad. Um, I, I just don't see Twitter advertising as this really big thing. I, I mean, they do get revenue from it, of course, but in our world, uh, just not seeing uh, that big of an impact yeah. over it. Gotcha. So um, we've got some more stuff rolling out. There's even some some newer things on desktop. So Grace, break this down for us. Yeah, so they've been testing this out for a few months. Uh, Twitter now officially launched the ability to access your direct messages in a chat window when you're on the desktop. So this enables users to engage with their messages without having to leave that main feed, right? Mm-hmm. So in addition to providing a mini picture-in-picture display for you, for your DMs, which is similar to like what you see on desktop messaging features uh, on both LinkedIn and on Facebook. Uh, now, when you get a new DM, a window will expand and you can collapse it at any time or engage with the DM discussions on the smaller screen. So tell us, what is your DM strategy when it comes to marketers on Twitter, right? So all along, we've heard that like DMs are just to be kind of cautious about them, right? So are, are they still an effective way of communicating? Absolutely. I used to be very anti-DMs once upon a time because there was so much spam in there. Y'all probably remember back in those spam days. (laughs) It was terrible. It was really a useless feature. And once Twitter fixed that problem, DMs became a much better way to connect with people in a private way. Now, this new feature with the pop-up on desktop is awesome. I love it. It, It's been rolling out the last few weeks. I know not everybody has it yet, but it is still rolling out. But do y'all have it yet? Have y'all seen it in action yet? I don't have it yet. No. I haven't seen it yet. It's really cool because, you know, that's why tools third-party tools are so valuable because if I'm in TweetDeck, you know, and I've got all those columns, I can see the messages in a column while I'm surfing around looking at other things because it's just all these columns, right? Whereas, you know, when you're on Twitter, twitter twitter.com on the browser, you have to click to go to each thing. If I want to do Twitter lists, I got to go to each one individually. Whereas on TweetDeck, I can just have columns of of a variety of lists and I can see everything in one shot. So same thing with DMs. You have to click and go over to the messages. Well, having this pop up now is really cool because now I don't feel like I'm I'm having to like, oh, I need to go remember to go look at my DMs. You get the little pop up when there's a new one, but it's so visible, this box, even though it stays down until you click on it to pull it up. It is almost like this reminder, at least that's how it's been for me. It's a reminder like, hey, don't forget to be checking your DM more regularly. And I'm all about using the direct messages for private conversations because let's think about this for a moment. Prior to DMs and PMs and all these direct 
private messages. You know, we relied on email for everything, right? When we wanted yeah. to have a private conversation. And when all of these private messages started popping up on these social media platforms, it allowed you to stay there and not leave, which I think was the whole purpose, right? So it's frustrating when you have Twitter DMs that are useless because it's so full of spam. And when you want to have a private message, you've got to go move elsewhere to go do it. Whereas these days, I mean, I don't have to leave Twitter very much. I'm having conversations. I'm already connecting and engaging with people publicly on Twitter. And then when I want to sit here and take it to another level, talk about things that are private, I just hit that DM. And like an example, last week, I connected with this really talented artist. She does doodles. And what Mm -hmm. happened was she replied to one of my tweets. Yeah, she replied to one of my tweets. And what do we do when somebody tweets us and we don't know them? We're going to go look at their profile. And this is a reminder, go audit your profile, go take a look and see, does it have a great photo? Does it have a good bio? Does it really showcase who you are and what you do? So I I didn't know this girl, so I looked at her bio and she talked about being a photographer and a doodle artist. I'm like, ooh, doodle, that sounds kind of cool. I like doodle art. I thought, you know, my five-year anniversary of Twitter Smarter's coming up. It'd be really cool to maybe hire her to do some doodle art for me. So I chatted with her a little bit publicly and I said, hey, I'd like to talk to you about possibly hiring you. I'm going to DM you. And we ended up having this great conversation. I didn't have to leave Twitter to go email her. We just had this nice exchange, got all the information I needed. And, you know, within like half an hour, I hired her, you know, from just not having to, you know, drop what I'm doing. Let's go move to, what's her email address? Let me move it over here and back and forth, back and forth. So there's so many great uses for DMs. I use it all the time. I find myself using it more and more. So you kind of gave a a good example there. So are there any like best, other best practices for businesses or marketers using direct messages? And I'm assuming the auto DMs are still not to do, yeah. not to do it so all. People are Don't doing do it manually. See, the problem That's is the pro- you yeah. have people that still want to do that. So they're like, well, I can't use a third-party tool to do it anymore. So let me just manually. And I still get those. I yeah. still get people that will sit here and put me and 20 other people into a group DM uh-huh. and do the fake ad for Ray-Ban sunglasses. You know, I just had two of those yesterday and I'm like, what's going on here? I don't get this as often, but you're always going to have that occasional marketer that thinks it's still a good idea to go connect with people on DM when they don't know you and asking them to do something. And that's just not the way to go about it. The example I just gave with this artist was so perfect. And and I don't think she was like looking at me like, oh, maybe she'll hire me for something. She just innocently responded to one of my tweets that had nothing to do about any of this other stuff. And I was like, oh, she sounds interesting. Let me go read her bio. Let me go to her website. Wow, this is somebody I'd like to work with. Let me shoot her a DM. So, you know, it can work out really great when it's authentic conversations and building authentic relationships. But when it's the typical, you know, we all have had these. Hey, uh, I see we're Twitter friends, but I would love for you to go uh, follow me on LinkedIn. Right. And it's like, yeah, I don't know it. you. Right. Why do I want to leave Twitter? I want to yeah. hang out here, you know. So, this you is know, jo- I, at least it's not as common as it used to be. Yeah. Joe has a great response to the auto DMs. Uh, no. And I, I wish we could show a meme on a podcast like with William Shatner, you know, with the no. no. Anyway, so anyway. Um, <laughs> 
so yeah, that's how we feel about DMs. But you know, we've got some even more Twitter news about some of this experimental stuff, which I don't know about the rest of you, but I love experimental stuff because it that we find and like Madeline talked about, like she found something, she discovered something, you know, to you know the other day in in uh, part of Twitter, and I'm like, I think that stuff's so exciting. So Grace, I think I understand it, but you know, educate me a little bit. <laughs> So this is something that was found in the wild by our favorite reverse engineering expert, Jane Manchin Wong. She shared that Twitter appears to be testing a new variation on the way that it counts retweets and quote tweets. Quote tweets are basically retweets with a comment, right? So it would, rather than just sharing it out as a whole, you get to add your commentary to it. So they're putting these in a separate section. This is something she found in the wild, right? Within the code. And the display would make it easier for you to see each. So you'd be able to see your replies, your retweets, and then your retweets with comments, and then go through them as needed and deal with them as needed. Um, Twitter has been working on improvements in how its engagement displays over the last few months, with this being you know, the latest iteration, right? So um it's so just it really just separates out how these things are counted, what they look like. Madeline, have you seen this as well? Is this something that you've seen out in the wild? No, I, I mean I have, which I think it's been rolled out to everyone. Where you know when you go to the retweet and then you, you have to click on it and then you can see them separated out between those with the comment and those without. Mm-hmm. Do y'all have that? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I think that's been fully rolled out now the past few months. But this newer one, I have not see, seen it out in the wild yet. Um, I think it's interesting. Um, I also think that being able to, like, you know, it's kind of a drag. Like, you have to click on retweet just to see right. who did it with a comment, who did. I'm glad they did that. But it still is like you have to remember to click on it to see that. Whereas this is talking about you just can look at a tweet and know yeah. that that happened, which I think will be so much better for us. And as marketers, you know, we can look and see, well, who's getting all the engagement, you know, Mm -hmm. um, in in that manner. Because what's interesting, I think a lot of people do a retweet with a comment, but you don't see it in your notifications. And it's very Mm -hmm. frustrating. Well, I take it back. For somebody like me as a power user, when I go into my notifications and I'm in the all is too much for me to look at. Like, right. it's just way too much. So I have to go look at the men. I want to see the at mentions. So that's mm-hmm. typically what I'm looking at and you don't see it in there. So I have to like, kind of like, all right, do I want to go, you know, go skim through a gazillion other, you know, how many people are following me and how right. many people are going to listen, all these random and how many likes and retweets just, you know, to be able to see who did that. So I, I'm really excited about this. I hope it becomes a real feature, not one of those, let's test it, not ever put right, out there right right no absolutely and there's more jeff uh, you want to talk about this next one since I, it's i've talked about it before i just i they've got to change the name so uh because it's it goes it's the same name as a laxative so some users in the netherlands are reporting that now they have ability to post content will automatically disappear after 24 hours this feature which twitter is called fleets which is the name that i think is so unfortunate uh it, it really it resembles you know facebook instagram and facebook's and whatsapp's version of story. So uh, Twitter first revealed it was toying around with this idea uh, back in March. They had some minor tests and later in Brazil. And then later in June, the microblogging service revealed it was also experimenting with the new feature in India. So fleets seems to be growing and entering new markets. So Madeline, do, do you think we're done with stories? I mean, do you think we, another platform needs to have a story-based content? I don't think we're 
we're done with stories, you know, stories, it took a long time to take off. You know, when we first had on Instagram, a lot of people were like, what's this? And why would I want to do this? And it was really us marketers that were, we're always the first to do all these, right? And Facebook stories was really, I mean, that took like a couple of years to take off because I was doing those in the beginning of like, nobody's watching them. So what, you know, let me wait until people actually care about it. Mm-hmm. People are into this. So, and then just looking at TikTok, you know, people like creating you know, snippets of what's going on in their life and share it with everybody. I think it would be great to have something like that on Twitter because for those of us that are on Twitter 24-7, now I don't have to leave and go elsewhere to do stuff like that. I can just keep it all in one and just stay on on Twitter for that. But these screenshots I've been seeing, Mm -hmm. they don't look that appealing. And I agree with you, Jeff. Fleets is just a terrible name. (laughs) It's horrible. It's just bad. (laughs) Just call call it Twitter stories. Yeah. Fleets just sounds bad. It just does. So anyway, Madeline, once again, you have done an amazing job, you know, educating us on Twitter. Um, I do want to pull up some stuff from um, Jen. She goes, because we've been talking about, you know, uh, our uh, tweet chat. So make sure you go to uh, SME chat every Wednesday at 10 a.m., but also go to Madeline's Twitter Smarter. How can they find that easily? uh, And where's the best place to find you, Madeline? Yeah, well, Twitter Smarter is every Thursday at 1 o'clock Eastern, 10 a.m. Pacific. Just the Twitter Smarter hashtag, Twitter Smarter, one word. Uh, best thing, go to my website, MadelineSclar.com, or just type in my name in any social media platform. I have an unusual name, so you will find me everywhere. Awesome. Thanks, Madeline, so thank, much for thank coming Thank you, Madeline. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Talk to you later. Bye. Bye. All righty. So we've got some little other blurbs we're going to talk about real quick. So we've got some interesting thing from TikTok. So are you on TikTok, Grace? You're not on TikTok, are you? I don't know. You should be if you're not. I am on it as a supervisory function. So my daughter likes to be on it. So, but it's really funny. She probably should be on it. But like she and her friends seem to go from like app to app to app to app. And it's the same same friends. friends. We talked about, yeah. yeah, it's crazy. But this is great. I, this next little blurb that we're going to talk about is I'm all for anything that's helping creators because honestly, these platforms would not exist if people did not create content. And TikTok is like joining on this bandwagon to, it seems like to do some things to build up creators. Yeah. They announced a $200 million creator fund. They said that they're going to start rolling it out this year. But then I heard another report saying that they're going to be rolling out over three years. But either way, they're looking to distribute this money to support ambitious creators who are actively on the platform. And it will and it's expected to grow over time. So this is not a just a $200 million investment. They plan to continue using this to help. TikTok creators find their voices, right. find their creativity, and to get more people, of course, on the interested in the platform. And TikTok also threw down a little bit this week, Jeff. Like their new CEO, Kevin Mayer, who previously was at Disney, right, and was the guy behind the incredible launch of Disney Plus, which of course we all love and watch and pay for yeah. without its ads, right? right? So they pretty much went. You know, went after Facebook, which is very clearly and very openly going after their business. They are launching a, or they're in the process of launching a real product, copycat product right. on Instagram called Reels, right? They tried to do another copycat project before it was called Lasso. And that that bombed. Had been sunsetted, right? So, but they are making significant investments on the Instagram side. So, TikTok, you know, in spite of all the scrutiny, everything that we talked about last time we were on with Michael Sanchez, 
you know, they are looking to make it a fair fight and they are revealing their algorithm. They're launching a new transparency and accountability center for moderation and for their data practices in which I read that they will be putting out the code. So they're going to be very open about and transparent about how their algorithm will work, particularly in the for you section. Right. Mm -hmm. And they then also threw down a challenge to all social media platforms uh, should be held to an exceptionally high standard. And then they threw in a little bit of patriotism where they talked about competition being healthy and that we should promote it. And this is very much an American company, right? right? They have this transparency center in LA, and then they're also opening a transparency center in Washington, DC, where they will be having lobbyists talking to uh, our lawmakers about, about (laughs) this. So, you know, Whatever your thoughts are about that, yes, you're reporting the news. <laughs> so we had the the creator fund you mentioned, and now you know there's this kind of going back and forth. So Instagram kind of fires back at they're luring actual uh, TikTok creators over to their platform, and so the Wall Street Journal actually reported that Instagram has made uh, they say lucrative offers to some of TikTok's most popular creators to use that new service Reels and. You mentioned they were going to reveal it. Reels is reeling out next month. I don't know what to say there, but it's really interesting that they're stealing. And they were, they're talking about that some of this is in the hundreds of thousands of dollars to get these creators from TikTok over on Instagram. We saw the same. I have a feeling it's going to be kind of the same kind of launch as they did uh, with IGTV. You know, when they had yeah. that big thing and they had all those people there, Ninja uh, from Fortnite was there launching stuff. And I mean, so I have a feeling that kind of thing is going to happen. So it's going to be really interesting to see how that goes. I mean, these the wars of trying to get uh, content creators, I think, is great for content creators. So exciting stuff. Yeah. Absolutely. And advertisers, those of us advertising right. on them too. It right. only it only makes it better, right? So they're saying that uh, these payments would be in the hundreds of thousands of dollars. They didn't disclose how much they would go to each person, but social media today did report that Facebook is additionally hoping that these new sign creators will be part of a major campaign announcement of about a broader release of Reels next month. So right now Reels has been tested in India. It's in Brazil, France, and Germany. Someone in a, the society in India showed it to us, right? So, so did a little video and it's it's pretty cool and it's coming to the u.s in august which is next week uh <laughs> i don't know if it's coming out next week but right. august is next week in right. case you didn't know right and it's going to roll out to 50 other countries uh this coming month so and it is uh instagram's take on tiktok so say that yeah. real fast three times oh so. <laughs> and we've got this uh, the, the next couple things we're going to breeze through really quickly facebook is testing a new page layout for mobile devices. And so that's something to look forward to. And also this came out last week and I want to just touch on this really quick because I think it's a big deal is that you can now go live from messenger rooms on Facebook. So that means you can have those up to, what was it? 50 people, Grace, I believe. 50 people. Yeah. That you could you go. Have, you, you don't, don't have, have to go have with 50 people. Right, okay. right. It's not Fortnite. You yes. don't need to rally. <laughs> right. It's, you can go live now, which is a big in my opinion, a big competitor to Zoom because Zoom, there's some limitations on what you can do. But Facebook is making it really easy for people to come in their new messenger rooms. I've tested it. It's really pretty slick, but you can now go live there. So if you're doing a webinar or a seminar or something like that, or even to your own groups, you can go live from that messenger room, which is very, very cool. So like Grace is talking about her book club and Facebook even said, like, if you're hosting a book club with friends, you're interviewing a panel of experts or teaching a fitness class, you can bring that and broadcast that live to friends. So 
that's very, very cool. It's rolling out to uh, some countries, whatever that means. I don't know how much more vague you could be, Facebook, but it's rolling out now in some countries um, and it's going to expand to those other areas soon. And so it's uh, actually on the web-based version. So it's on your desktop right now, but it's going to be added to the company's mobile uh, and desktop uh, later on in the rollout. So very, very cool stuff. Oh, so I checked out Rooms when it first came out, and it is really easy to just, yeah. like, log on. I mean, on Zoom, like, every time we do a Zoom call, I'm like, you know, we're always trading the code and who has the right code. And, right, the, right, right. and this one, you just click a button, right? But I didn't want to go back to the new page layout on mobile. So the mm-hmm. thing that people were, like, kind of freaking out about. Now, this isn't rolled out publicly. They're testing it with a few public accounts, so, like, celebrities, that kind of stuff, and then a few business models. So there are business pages. So we'll see. It's not fully rolled out yet, and they're still testing it. But the big thing about it is that they're removing the like. The oh, like yeah, and the that's like right. Counts. Yes. You know, again, this was initial freak out about this because like, what are we going to do with our bikes? But the thing is, is like it emphasizes more the follow. And I've been seeing this a lot more on business pages as I've been trying to find more local things around here, or trying to figure out like what their new hours are, what their protocols are, whatever. I'm seeing more about that follower account. And the issue that Facebook brought up was that you can like a page for whatever reason, right? Like, so like our page to win this RV, like this page to do whatever, which, you know, you shouldn't be doing anyway. But what ended up happening is people would like your page, but then they don't follow after a few weeks or whatever. But the follow is a more accurate count because it's the people that are actually seeing your page content, right? And even like maybe even asking to see it first. So if you see the freak out, it's about the likes, but trust me, follows are better than likes. Okay. You heard it here first right. <laughs> or last, whatever. <laughs> That's right. So, you know, it, the, the Facebook messenger rooms, a lot of uh, new things with the, the layout. So if you need some help on Facebook, so we've got the thing for you. If you ever wanted to build a engaged Facebook following that turned into customers, if you want to be that Facebook marketing rock star you know, but something's kind of stopped you in the past. Well, the Facebook Marketing Summit from Social Media Examiner can help you. They have 14, we've got 14 of the top uh, Facebook marketing pros as they're going to show you how to master organic Facebook marketing, Facebook video, and I have a feeling these new messenger rooms will be mentioned in that, and also Facebook ads. So you'll learn proven marketing strategies that work, and you can learn more about this awesome online event if you go to socialmediaexaminer.com forward slash summit that's socialmediaexaminer.com forward slash summit and yes you can subscribe to our show is also a podcast so you can find that on apple podcast google play spotify with new episodes publishing on saturdays if you can please leave a review it helps others find us so wherever you are and whatever you're doing you can also find out what we're talking about on our weekly show calendar you can find that at socialmediaexaminer.com backslash live show and we will see you next week thank you so much for joining us and thank you madeline scalar for being our expert guest today and thank you our audience for the great comments you guys were awesome and uh i see you talking to each other it's amazing and when thank grace for putting this all together jen cole in the comments and also social media examiner thank you guys so much we will see you next time bye now bye The Social Media Marketing Talk Show is a Social Media Examiner production. For more social media insight, visit socialmediaexaminer.com. Hey, just a quick reminder, join the Social Media Marketing Society today and level up your marketing for your company or your clients. Visit smmarketingsociety.com to find out more.